0: The Arizona
1: Cardinals select Kyler Murray. And the 2019 Offensive Rookie of the Year is Kyler Murray.
0: This year's Most Valuable Player, Lamar Jackson. he back and forth. Oh! He broke his He is Houdini. Touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. Chiefs our Super Bowl champion, here in Miami. All right, guys, welcome back to the Established the Past podcast, presented by Clutch Points and uh, the fine folks at Blue Wire and Bet Online. Uh, I am your host Blake Lovell. With me is my co-host Dylan Reagan, and we are back uh, for our post NFL draft extravaganza. Um, if you have listened to the show for a while and you listened to our mock draft that we did over four episodes, um, a four-parter, uh, Dylan, we got some of these, I think, correct in terms of how we saw. Everything playing out, and we discussed that a little bit uh, on the uh, midnight episode uh, of the podcast uh, last, I guess it was up on Friday, uh, we discussed all the picks from the first round and to have our biggest takeaways from that, but now we're going to kind of look at the draft as a whole uh, and share some thoughts on maybe who came out Uh, as the biggest winners in this draft, and maybe some of the teams that are uh, getting, uh, you know, kind of uh, talked about a lot in in a not-so-positive way. And I think there are a couple teams specifically uh, that people are adding to that category. But uh, overall, let's start with this, because this is something we really haven't talked about, but it's what a lot of people are talking about. And that was just the presentation I think of this whole thing with the draft um I think the one thing people are discussing is sort of the ESPN's approach with some of the uh more negative uh stories I guess you could say or aspects of some of these players which just seemed to be way overboard uh and how many times that was brought up but overall mm-hmm. if we take that out of it I thought it was fun like I thought the presentation I thought seeing mm-hmm. everyone you know, in their their home setups and, and getting the players' reactions, you know, with their family in a more of a closed setting instead of just in a big room with hundreds and thousands of other people. Um, mm-hmm. I thought that part was at least uh, certainly a welcoming uh, difference than what we usually
1: see. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't just that they got by. I feel like they actually, like you're saying, they did well with the setup and how it actually went and instead of just, you know, making the ends meet with, uh, you know, the current situation. It up being a net positive. I thought, obviously, uh, some of the situations or were, uh, were places that guys were drafting from were made fun of, but usually in good fun yeah. <laughs> for, for the most part on Twitter. Um, and, and also things like Cliff Kingsbury's place where it's, where it's like, you know, there's a lot of jokes made about that for a 5-1 coach having yeah. such a luxurious spot. But, you know, that is Arizona for you, I guess. But nonetheless, no, that was really cool. I thought overall – they did a great job with all the, all things considering. I think in terms of yeah, to throw in an outside of the teams, a winner for me might have to be uh, night two, Roger Goodell. I think uh, people are gonna probably feel a little more positively of him. It's how funny it kind of became over the course of the night because he slowly <laughs> was slouching in his chair, slowly changing outfits, taking layers off, and then at one point holding one of the cards upside down. I think overall for him, uh, it actually made him a little more personable than there certain times where it just seems like he's so scripted and everything he's saying is just right to the T and instead you kind of got to see a little more of his personality, which I thought was cool. But yeah, no, overall it, it uh, worked out really well. Obviously the family aspect with a lot of uh, kids and the, you know, there was like the, that first, the night one picture with Mike Brabel and his kids just doing silly stuff. And then a lot of jokes made about one of the uh, Matt LaFleur's sons putting his hands up <laughs> saying, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not responsible for these picks. Mm. That might be a little preach of one of yeah. uh, our team's <laughs> losers, but yeah. Nonetheless, uh, overall, I think with all the you know the lack of sports and obviously the ratings were higher because of that. But overall, I still think it was a really good product that the NFL was able to put out.
0: Yeah, I've joked on Twitter. I think it was night two and um, talking about uh, Roger Goodell, uh, wondering if he was um, you know pounding a few Bud <laughs> Lights uh, there in between the picks. But no, he, he had fun with it. And like you said, I think that's yeah. that's something. Of course, we all know the situation. But but that is something that I think has been. Um, you know, at least fun from a sports standpoint is to see like not just Roger Goodell, but coaches and all sorts of people. It's almost like, you know, you loosen up a bit and you start not taking things so seriously. We know the NFL draft is such a serious thing, but um, I, I think seeing everyone, you know, at least have these human emotions and they're not just robots that are sending in cards or or sitting in a war room, you know, with a thousand other people and uh going yeah. over 15,000 names on a whiteboard. Um <laughs> I think that that made it a lot more fun, but uh no doubt and as we've seen it sounds like there will at least be a something to where uh, I think you're going to see a lot of people push for, you know, some of these aspects being implemented uh, into future drafts and we'll see. Uh, how that goes. But uh, getting to the draft itself, uh, we we gave some thoughts on the teams that we thought really, you know, knocked it out of the park uh, in round one. Um, Some of the teams in particular, I think we looked at, I mean, the obvious ones with the Bengals with Joe Burrow. um, We thought that, you know, two of going to the Dolphins, I think the Dolphins had a good round one. Uh, We mentioned the Broncos and the Cowboys, two that are stood out. Uh, But as we look at the, the draft as a whole, I think those are teams that you can still, You know, specifically throwing that category, when we say who had the best drafts, the Dolphins had so many picks, but I thought they did a really good job uh, with the picks that they had because, as we said, they got to a – they they grabbed, uh, you know, an offensive tackle in Austin Jackson. Um, They got just some really good value, I thought, with all the picks that they had. Um, Mm -hmm. You mentioned the Broncos and the Cowboys getting their wide receivers of the future, but also picking up uh, some more players that seemed to fit with how they want to play two others that people are talking about, the Minnesota Vikings and the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they seem mm-hmm. to be among the group uh, as well, being uh, considered uh, some of the biggest winners of this draft.
1: Yeah, the Vikings in particular, in terms of not just seeing draft capital for this year, but also mm-hmm. next year, I thought overall, and and still not losing value at their spots. I think they're definitely, for me, maybe not the one that a team that's considered... One of the top winners I would, uh, given the uh, talent they added, where they added uh, their players. Ezra Cleveland I thought was a great second-round pick and will help them along the offensive line. Obviously, tons of uh, additions to their secondary that I think will help. And, yeah, Justin Jefferson I thought was a high value. I kind of hope the Eagles would have taken him as I did in our mock draft. Just one pick before, I thought he might uh, fit better than Jalen Rager there. But overall, outside of them, I think the Cardinals were another one we were talking about beforehand. I thought their yeah. the big pick that as a Rams supporter uh, was upsetting me that Josh Jones fell all the way down into the third round and the Rams didn't swipe him up. The Cardinals did, of course. <laughs> Obviously, they, they don't have a second-round pick, but getting DeAndre Hopkins has to be included in this equation for how well they came out. I think – I mean, the, the whole division is ridiculous. I think the Seahawks didn't have the best draft, but I know what, <laughs> right now we're talking about winners. I'll you know, talk about them <laughs> a bit more in a bit. But, yeah, uh, outside of that, I mean, the, also, the Cowboys, in addition – um, and the Broncos, we talked about those teams and their first-round picks and being able to get Judy and C.D. And, uh, Lamb at the spots they did. I thought overall still they got a lot of value with their, the picks they got. Neville Gallimore going all the way uh, late in the third round, a, a guy that on a lot of uh, places was ranked much higher than that, obviously Trayvon Diggs. That's someone we picked in the first round in our mock draft, and he, he goes to them later in the second round. So overall, I thought Dallas did a good job. Broncos, obviously, uh, very much yeah. trying to help out. <laughs> Their, their young quarterback and Drew Locke. I still think they, uh, right now, the backup quarterback behind them, they don't really have, I, I'm not sure if it's Jeff Driscoll still or someone they just signed. So uh, I thought maybe they would pick up a guy later in the rounds, you, you know, even with their fifth round, take it from and still been there. But nonetheless, I think what they did uh, is interesting. I still think they're uh, obviously not on the Chiefs level by any means, but I think they did a great job of just addressing so many different needs and getting so much value. Throughout the draft, uh, both those teams not just with their receivers in the first round,
0: yeah, I think the Broncos have said what a what what a concept, right. Um, for the Broncos to be a team that is going to help out their quarterback, um, that's that's a nice thing to have, I guess, if you're <laughs> if you're uh, a quarterback, seeing that your uh, your team is trying to help you out. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought the Broncos that they were one of the ones that stood out for me. I I just thought they had a fantastic draft, and and I think it goes back to the fact they did not have to trade up to get Jerry Judy. Like we never thought that they could sit there at fifteen and grab him but the fact that they did mm-hmm. like that just made it that much better uh and then again to go first two rounds to go wide receivers uh first two rounds to help out your own quarterback and you've got Cortland Sutton who we've talked about has emerged you yep. know as, as a star um just yeah I think the Broncos are in a really good spot right now uh you mentioned the Cardinals mm-hmm. too I think you know for, uh-huh. for Isaiah Simmons to fall to number eight um, uh-huh that that had to help them too. So a lot of teams like I think that's how it's it's easy maybe to look at some of these teams that we consider winners. It's about the whole draft, but really I think you know your draft gets off to such a good start mm-hmm. when you have some of these players like this. Um you know that that drop that far to where maybe we weren't expect them to go, you know, that far and you don't have to trade or give anything up to grab them.
1: No, that that especially for obviously the Dolphins are one team that uh, obviously didn't have to trade-up to get to us, So being able to like, hold on to all three of their first-round picks, huge for them. Same thing, yeah, for those receivers uh, with Judy and Lamb with the Broncos and Cowboys. I thought another one at a certain point, with uh, some of the guys, these first uh, tap, tackles were kind of flying off the board. I thought the Browns might have to trade up. Another team that uh, probably should be mentioned, given where they got Grant Delpit and Jordan Elliott, guys that some yeah. mock drafts are projected as first-rounders. I mean, Grant Delpit and most is the first-rounder, if not at least early second-rounder. Uh, he went 12 picks into the second round. But I think they're another team not having to trade up ten uh, from 10. It worked out perfectly for them to get Jedrick Wills there. And, yeah, I mean, overall depth of drafts is uh, definitely something that they taking account for the winners, but the top-end talent too. So to be able to get so many guys that are going to be instant contributors for them while addressing needs. If you can, as we always say, and it's kind of the mantra of, like, you know, you sign free agents to fill needs and you pick the best talent on uh, the draft, available the best potential, but at the same time, if you can kind of mold those two together in a way the Browns I thought did, um, and some of these other teams as well, the Broncos included, uh, then then you really hit the jackpot in terms of being a, a winner in my book for the draft.
0: One team we talked about going into the draft, um, and people are talking about them for various reasons. The Lions, who were at number three, we kind of said that the draft was going to start at number three, and. As we saw, they didn't trade down. They stayed at number Mm -hmm. three. I think there are varying opinions. I'm still probably (laughs) one of those that think that, you know, there was still a possibility that they could have traded down. But you brought up a good point uh, before we started recording, and that's, you know, I don't think any of us know exactly what was on the table from anywhere, you know, and that's the thing if you're the Lions, um, not knowing if you could have traded down and still been able to get him because clearly he was their guy. Like, I mean, it's, Mm -hmm. it's pretty obvious, and, um, you know I think any of the speculation that they were going to take a quarterback or anything like that uh, I think we knew in the back of our minds that wasn't going to happen uh, it just made too much sense uh, for someone like Matt Patricia to get a guy like that on defense um, so the, the Lions come out of it I've seen maybe some split thoughts on that just because mm-hmm. there probably are people that are, are maybe focusing a lot more on that aspect of them not trading down picking up some extra stuff but You know, you get Jeff Okuda, you get DeAndre Swift at 35, who we said um, Mm -hmm. could have been, you know, the first running back off the board. We didn't know exactly where he was going to go. I know there was a a tease out there on, uh, I think it was round one, uh, where the thought was that the Dolphins were about to draft him. And then that's when they pulled off the trade uh, and moved back to where I guess it was was the Packers, right, that moved up Mm -hmm. and and got that pick. So uh, that didn't ultimately happen. And so DeAndre Swift goes to the Lions. I mean, I don't think we're surprised either that the Lions go running back. Even though they have on Johnson, we we kind of saw, you know, the injury situation there. Um, that's also an interesting fit there in Detroit.
1: Yeah. I. Yeah, uh, in terms of, like, we kind of talked about with the Acuda thing and how they couldn't trade back, it's just how much, like, what, what the offers were. I think the teams kind of could read uh, them and call their bluff in terms of them moving back too far. And, yeah, like you, we, you said beforehand as well, if they – you know, they could have maybe moved back, but how far would it have been and how much value would they really been getting? So I, I think there's a pass there. It's, it's just a little – you have to really think of the situation. We don't know exactly what the offers were. If they had an offer that, you know, was re- you know really that great, I'm sure they would have pulled the trigger on it. But obviously filling in the need with the number one corner, a huge help. A team also, yeah, in terms of Swift, but also getting Jonah Jackson and the third-round a guy that – on PFF's board was going in the first round, if not early second round. So to get him all the way in the third round and to help them address into their uh, offensive line. They also use their fourth-round uh, pick on a guard. So double up on guards. They finished 27 in run uh, offense DVOA last year. So you get a combination of swift. You, don't, you still carry on. Now you're really improving your offensive line where you needed the help. I thought that was huge for them. They also, Julian Aguara in the third round, another really good value. So overall, I think the Lions, despite the criticism that you might hear, <laughs> about that not being able to trade out of the number one pick. I think overall their their top four guys there are really gonna be able to make an impact pretty quickly.
0: Yep, and uh, we'll get to uh, another um, <laughs> NFC North team here in a second that maybe uh, maybe not going to be seen in the same type of uh, light when it comes to positivity. But uh, before we do that, uh, as we continue to tell everyone, uh, if you want to win some money, guess what? The best place to do that is that bet online. Uh, because while there's currently no NBA, NHL, MLB going on, you may think there's nothing to bet on, but you would be wrong because – our exclusive partner, Bet Online, has hundreds of events, games, and props to wager on. They've got their online casino, uh, poker, blackjack, and they are bringing Vegas to you. Uh, if you're missing the NFL, like we are, no problem at all, because Bet Online has the live daily Madden NFL 20 simulations you can bet on uh, plus you can still bet on survivor big brother american idol stock prices and the nathan's hot dog eating contest and you can do it all open 24 hours a day and they're all online so you can do it anytime uh, over at betonline.ag and just use the promo code BlueWire, all one word blue wire to join today and receive your new welcome bonus that is bet online your online wagering solution and guys, uh, speaking of the NFL draft and all the rounds, uh, if you are looking to go a few extra rounds, uh, if you know what we mean, uh, just get on over to BlueChew.com. BlueChew.com has the first ever chewable that brings your performance in the bedroom to another level. Uh, they've got the same active ingredients that are Viagra, Cialis, so you know that they work. Uh, and since they're chewable, they work even faster. You can take them anytime, day or night, uh, even on a full stomach. Plus, you don't have to go to the doctor's office to spend time waiting in the pharmacy line. Bluetooth's online physician is free of cost, and once approved, your order ships straight to your door in discreet packaging. And here's a great deal for you guys that listen to the show. All you got to do is visit Bluetooth.com and get your first order free when you use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word, Blue wire, just pay the five dollar shipping. Uh that's all you have to do. And again, that's blue two dot com. B L U E two dot com. Promo code Bluewire. All right, Dylan. Uh speaking of teams that um, as we said, in the NFC North that um, <laughs> are being talked about a lot after the NFL draft, the Green Bay Packers are one of those teams, but they are not mentioned uh, in the same category I think as uh, maybe the positives uh, with the Vikings and the Lions Um, the Packers meanwhile are um, being pretty much considered I think if you look around I mean honestly I think the consensus is that the Packers maybe had the worst draft of anyone Um, and and that's just again (laughs) that's going off of just looking at it um, you know all the analysts you look at all the reaction we know there's always reaction but my goodness, it just seems like uh, this move for Jordan Love and not just that, but also the fact that zero wide receivers were drafted by the Packers in a in a class that was considered one of the best wide receiver classes in history and yet they did not, you know, have a situation where they drafted a single one. Um, that's something. And I know there was, you know, the rumors or mention that they tried to trade up in round two to get a wide receiver. It just didn't work out. Well, there were, I mean, they had how many seven more picks after that. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what you say because everything that we're going to remember from this draft, probably for the Packers is going to be about this move for Jordan Love, the very first move that they made. Uh, but elsewhere, I mean, you look around and it's not very kind uh, for the Packers here in this draft.
1: No, not at all. I mean, it's, I I try to like think on the, you know, try to really think on the positive side in terms of what they were trying to do and try to see through the the lens of it. And as much as I, and, you know, try to be a little bit different than everyone, just (laughs) harping on them. But I just can't bring myself to it for so many different reasons. Yeah. I mean, in, in addition to not getting a, sure, they could have taken a receiver. Uh, earlier on but you know there's still a ton of guys that went way later KJ Hills one I think of with the Chargers uh, going in the seventh round there's still receivers that were there that could have been taken in the sixth or seventh round and at least tried to address it a little bit after you did what they did <laughs> early in the draft so the fact they didn't do it there but then also I mean in terms of a couple of the guys at the top there AJ Dillon from Boston College wasn't even in the top 250 players on PFF's draft board to get him <laughs> I picked sixty two, yeah. uh, in a, at a position where I, you know, you have Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Even if the contract stuff, it's going to come up eventually. I still just didn't see that that was really the highest value they could have gone with there. Um, and then on, obviously with Jordan Love, we talked about it a bit in the last podcast, but some good points about how and you know they've in the past with Rodgers and Favre, you know, we've seen like this whole thing and people are saying like, oh, they'll have years to to groom under under uh, Rodgers and eventually become the quarterback. For the Packers, but, it, but when Rodgers was drafted, that was before the current CBA that allowed these rookie co- contracts for quarterbacks to be so valuable. By the time Jordan Love is possibly starting for the Packers, that deal is going to be gone because Rodgers isn't going to go anywhere for at least a few years, or at least he'll be right at the end of his rookie deal, deal at the very soonest, I believe. So yeah, if it all works out well and Jordan Love's amazing, then that's great. But otherwise, I mean, there's a lot of issues with the risk that you know in terms of his consistency with his accuracy and, throwing catchable balls even when guys are open. Where there's issues with that, and those aren't really things that are uh, can be attributed to some of the quality of his teammates in college. So, yeah, just didn't address the receiver. They didn't uh, take a defensive back until uh, the seventh round. And, I mean, I thought corner, also there yeah. some good options they had that they could have addressed that with. Uh, obviously, they signed Christian Kirksey, but still could have used more linebacking help. Uh, they do get Kamal Martin in the fifth round. But at that point, I mean, they just – I don't know. I thought if they, I think that the Jordan love thing, if they had sat at 30 and maybe you add that fourth round pick, maybe that helps a little bit. And maybe it still could have gotten him if they really wanted him. I just, uh, this is a team that obviously as we all know last year, maybe they weren't 13 and three quality football team. Maybe they are closer to 11 and five quality of a team, but they still did make the NFC championship game still had just a few weaknesses that you feel like if they addressed uh, really could have had another run on it. Now it's, I mean, they're still the same kind of team, but a little worse in certain areas, and they're not addressing those things. I I don't know. It's, I mean, <laughs> I just, yeah, it's it's crazy to me that, you know, for Aaron Rodgers, I'll, you know, I made the comment before the draft about not drafting any skill position players uh, early on. And, of course, now to get love. they had Dylan. But just in that spot, it just didn't make a ton of sense. Uh, we'll see how they're tied in. Uh, uh, Daguerre from Cincinnati does. But another guy that probably was a bit of a reach, so it's, it, <laughs> And It's the opposite of what I was saying earlier in terms of teams being able to mesh uh, the best potential with uh, their needs. Here, instead of that, you have no needs really addressed and you're reaching for players. So it just, on both accounts, the more I looked into it, I was like, you know what, there's a reason why everyone is harping on uh, the Packers having arguably the worst draft of anyone because it, it does line up when you look uh, work through it all.
0: It's interesting because I think there was also the rumor, maybe it was the GM that came out and said it, but... Um, the, the thought was that someone else was trying to trade up to get Jordan Love, and so the Packers thought that they had to move up to get him if they really wanted him. Then you know to try to beat someone else out at that spot. Um, which I don't, you know, again, at, we can speculate as to who we think that could have been. But, uh, I mean, there's mm-hmm. there's lots of potential options. You know, could the Patriots have been trying to come back up to, to maybe get him there. Uh, I doubt it because otherwise why wouldn't they just take him, you know, three spots ahead of him? Um, yeah. Could a team like, you know, the Lions, for example, could they have moved up? But, sure, it's all possible. Like there's so many different possibilities. But if you just look at, like you said, I think it's also interesting to look at the wide receivers that were on the board still. Um, and where they went, like T Higgins doesn't go until the first pick in the second round, Michael Pittman, who some people thought, you know, yep. could very well be, I don't know, like that fourth best or fifth best receiver. Have you want to look mm-hmm. at it? He doesn't go until 34 to the Colts. Um, LaVisca Chenault, someone he would talk about, he didn't go to 42. Like he was, you know, we really talked about him a lot going into the draft. He was someone talked a lot about, you know, in the months leading up to it. Um, K.J. Hamler, as we said, goes to the Broncos. You know, they get a, a double of, of just speed with Judy and Hamler. Yep. Um, mm-hmm. Chase Claypool goes to the Steelers. Denzel Mims lasts all the way to number 59 to the Jets, which we thought he was someone that could go in the first round. Yep. And yet nowhere in there. I mean, the Packers, you know, sat three spots behind the Jets at 59. You're telling me they couldn't have found a way to move up to 59 or 58 or 57, like anywhere in there. To try to get someone like Denzel Mims, like that's yes. the problem I think when we look at this is just man all the opportunities they could have had to move up, and that's why I think saying that you know we tried to trade up in the second round, I think that's kind of a cop out because like you can't tell me there's not one opportunity <laughs> if you really wanted to help Aaron Rodgers and you really wanted uh, to get a wide receiver in what is considered one of the deepest wide receiver classes in history they had enough picks. Like they could have found mm-hmm. a way to move up somewhere in that second round and could have drafted any of these guys we mentioned. Um I don't know. It's it's strange, man. And and that's the thing too, people yeah. are pointing out they're one win away from the Super Bowl last year. Like I, I mean this is the first pick is someone that I mean, I don't know. Like that's the thing is like you're you're one win away from the Super Bowl. You would think that your goal now is to try to find a way to get to the Super Bowl this next season. But I I just don't see where Jordan – and, again, I get it. They're investing in their long-term future. That's fine. But I think it's different if you're a team like the Cardinals or, you know, a a team that's – or the Lions or, like, any teams like that that we know are further down and probably are several years away from being in that discussion. But when you're a team that literally was one win away from the Super Bowl and all of a sudden your first pick in a draft like this, you're going to take a quarterback when you have one of the best quarterbacks that's ever played? Ah, oh, it's just a man. What a just a strange move.
1: No, it's it's hard to it's hard to really fathom. I <laughs> like I said in terms of just also the rookie deal thing and the value of the rookie contract. You're not even going to get that with Jordan Love here, and maybe they're looking at. You know, you'll see people, uh, some of these experts saying that the 2021 in a draft class of receivers is even deeper and has higher top and talent. But that you can't waste any season with Aaron Rodgers. He's not getting any younger here and uh just I don't know man like they they really must think Devin Funches is going to be like (laughs) be his knees (laughs) now I don't know like what do they what they really think is going to happen here uh I mean it's not like they had to have you don't need like a definitive number one guy you already have a really top end receiver in Devontae Adams but just having that secondary option to just be a little bit better and like you said easily could have moved up from that number 62 spot to get one of those guys been, maybe they already kind of compromised themselves a tad by giving up the fourth rounder, so maybe they did not want to throw in a fifth rounder there to, to get that. Uh, that might have been what the price would have been to, to move up. So I, I understand that a bit, but it's it's just, yeah, the lack of in terms of trying to go all in on this current team and to really build for down the line. First, I mean, it's still, even if this isn't like, you know, when Aaron Rodgers <laughs> fell to 24 where a lot of people thought he should have been the number one overall pick, uh, there's still, as much as Jordan loves arm talent, you see the highlights where it just makes throws that are ridiculous, and uh, the same kind of stuff you see Rodgers running out, making every now and then, but uh, there's, just, there's so many underlying things that make it seem so much riskier, too, so you throw all that into account in addition to uh, you know where they are as a team being 1-1 away from the Super Bowl. I mean, this is how you, uh, you know, I'm not going to, over the course of Aaron Rodgers' career, he's probably had plenty of other chances to get to Super Bowls, and they've done a lot of good things in building around him. So not trying to completely uh, criticize the Packers organization in terms of what they've done in the Rodgers era, but this is the kind of stuff that when people look back at it, are going to be like, you know, they didn't really do, go all in to try to win more than one Super Bowl with him, just like they won one Super Bowl with Brett Favre. Yeah. Um, he's two generational quarterbacks playing basically 30 combined seasons or whatever it's going to end up being between you and not to win more than that. I mean, again, I, I'm not trying to criticize everything, every move they've done. There are some other uh, past drafts and past signings that and signings that didn't happen that have been brought into that conversation. But I, I think just focusing on this one draft, you can argue that they're really not doing their best to, to win next year. This is obviously uh, like you said. And even if it, it, it's really only, for me, it's really Jordan love. Uh, outside of that, how, I don't know how many of these guys are – like there's yeah. some good depth, maybe offensive line guys they were able to get on day three, but otherwise I don't know how much even future value there is uh, in terms of unless AJ Dillon really outplays his projections from Pro uh, Football Focus, if Taguara becomes a, a number one tight end, but I, I still think these are risky things that aren't even for the future of their team uh, questionable. It's only Jordan Love that really has the potential value to be your long term starter, and, and again. That's still a risky proposition at this point.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This is one that's still just, I, I don't know. It, it may wind up being a great fit in the future, but for a team that, again, is, is considered a Super Bowl contender, I don't know. Well, we'll see, I guess, uh, if any of these guys are coming in right away and just being complete game changes, whereas, you know, you look around at other teams, and we've talked about some of them that, that mm-hmm. really just – packed up. I mean again the Vikings. Look at the Vikings. Like look at how many picks they wound up with. And look at all the guys they man,
1: fix next year. Yeah, like it's just
0: <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh it's it's strange. Or Justin Jefferson. Yeah. It's uh I don't know. Like that's one too that I mean the Vikings it was a just a masterclass, I think, for the Vikings. They that was they just did an incredible job, I thought, uh, in this draft. Another team, by the way, we mentioned this guy. I thought the Giants did better, maybe, than some were giving him credit for. I was just about to the, um, yeah. you know, because Andrew Thomas. We said probably with the four tackles, you could have went in any order, and I think a lot of people would have been mm-hmm. fine with it. Um, but we did say, you know, Andrew Thomas could be the one we're not talking about enough, and to get Xavier McKinney all the way at 36, who we thought could go as high as maybe 17 to the Cowboys, let's say, if one of those, if, if CeeDee Lamb hadn't have been there, which there's another one, the fact that CeeDee Lamb was there at 17. Um, yep. I think for the Giants, they're top two to pick specifically, but uh, overall they addressed a lot of their needs I uh, thought they did
1: a pretty good job. Yeah, a lot of value, too, with Matt Pert, where they got him in the third round. We, we speculated, you know, obviously they ended up going with Andrew Thomas instead of, Uh, going with possibly Isaiah Simmons or something like that. But to get two tackles, obviously Andrew Thomas, a guy that I thought might be first off the board, if not first or second. Sure enough, he's the first offensive tackle taken. Then to get hurt as well, I think to add both those guys, it could be long-term pieces of the offensive line with Daniel Jones. And then, yeah, throw in the, the steel and McKinney. I thought overall, yeah, the Giants, a team that uh, deserved absolutely when we talked about the winners that we mentioned there as well. Well,
0: and rather than just, uh, as we wrap up here, rather than just leave it with the Packers as a team that was just uh, awful, <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are probably going to look at the Raiders here. Um, and, and quite frankly, I, I've seen some people mention the Bears too among the group of teams. And you mentioned, I think, the Rams and uh, maybe the yeah. Eagles, like teams like that. If, They've been, I think, knocked a bit, and the Eagles specifically. I, I think a lot of people are knocking the Eagles just for the fact they drafted Jalen Hurts where they drafted him, um, not the fact that Jalen Hurts was drafted, but maybe where they got him at. Um, I, you know, I still look at a team like the Raiders, and you know, we mentioned all three of those wide receivers. Uh, I think most people would probably still, in terms of just complete wide receivers, they probably would have put. Um, You know, Gary Judy and CeeDee Lamb above Henry Ruggs, aside from, you know, the speed, which I know that's what really appealed to the Raiders uh, in that. Uh, beyond that, you know, Damon Arnett, we talked about to take him at 19 when some considered him, you know, a little bit further mm-hmm. down the board. Um, And then they picked up Len Bowden, who, you know, is someone that they're going to, I guess, switch positions on. And you also got another SEC guy right after that from Brian Edwards from South Carolina. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of offensive playmakers here, but uh, I guess just a matter for the Raiders, I, I don't know. It's like getting it right on the Henry Ruggs pick uh, and the Damon Arnett one. I think that's why they're getting knocked for some.
1: Yeah, I think – I mean, Ruggs I get, and he's – as much as a lot's made of his speed and all of that, he's still a legit route runner, I believe, and, you know, able to do so many different things. I – I, yes, I still think maybe Um, as when we went into the draft that I thought Judy – Probably the guy that I would, if he's if all three are there, that's the one I want. Just overall, everything he's able to do. I think CD uh, might end up becoming in his situation the best of the three off the bat um, in Dallas. I think that's going to be a perfect fit for him. And I think, I mean, all three of these guys have so many great tools. So Ruggs, I, I think that pick's fine. But yeah, Arnett, a guy that I think overall is good and probably will be good for them. But it's yeah, it's about where they took him. They probably could have traded down. Um, and still been able to get him in the second round. Um, it pretty, you know, even if they went down into the middle of the second round, they still could have gotten him. So I thought there's things they could have done there. Um, uh, Brian Edwards, I was, you know, solid in college. I don't know how he'll translate to the NFL. Yeah, Wynn Bowden, uh, it should be, I mean, a really fun guy to watch, but how it all works out in the NFL, we'll see. So yeah, it wasn't, it, it wasn't, uh, the most overwhelming, <laughs> uh, haul necessarily. Um, hopefully for their sake, it's still, you know, they had such a great first round last year and so many guys and rookie contributors that really filled out and performed well. And hopefully for their sake, this will still help fill in some of the supplementary spots where they needed help. But I still thought, yeah, they could have probably done a bit more to uh, address some of their needs while getting more value. And then, yeah, like you said with the Rams, I, you know, I thought they were going to go more in terms of uh, attacking the offensive line. Um, they really, I, I, I look at it now back, and they do have a kind of a lot of depth and a lot of guys in their in their offensive line room. But I still think they could have, in terms of the one spot, uh, you know, they have a lot of long term solutions at guard and at center. But uh, tackle, and, um, Andrew Whitworth, you know, he's not going to be there forever. You know, he continues to put off retirement. I thought they really had a chance to get Josh Jones or even Ezra Cleveland earlier. Um, to, to fill in as a long-term solution to tackle. Instead, they take a running back. I mean, they, they still have. I mean, they took Daryl Henderson pretty early last year. So, I mean, I don't know between that and Malcolm Brown what they thought. I mean, we'll see if Cam Akers you – know, hopefully he becomes a, a great piece of the team. But it just it seemed like uh, there was some value at the needs that they had uh, that they didn't really address here. Uh, I thought Terrell Lewis, I'm excited to see how he does, if he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Out of all the all the picks they made, I thought that was one of their better ones. But overall, for the Rams, I, I just I thought there it was another underwhelming kind of class for me in terms of uh, you know they it helps a bit, but it, you know they really didn't get um, uh, along the offensive line much better. Uh, they don't really address uh, you know cornerback. I and obviously they have Dylan Ramsey, but I still think they really need a better number two at this point. It was Marky Christian sounds like he's not going to be back. So there's just different things where, yeah, they're they're class. uh, Hopefully all these guys are solid players and really fill in, but I just don't think – it's kind of like the Raider one for me in terms of it's just a little underwhelming.
0: Yeah, some of the the under-the-radar picks, uh, as I'm looking down the board here, I wanted to mention Trayvon Diggs going to the Cowboys. There's another reason Mm -hmm. why the Cowboys – I think had a really good draft uh, to get him all the way at 51. I thought that was a steal for them. Um, we mentioned A.J. Epineza, who we had going pretty early, I think, in the middle of the first round. or in that uh, I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly where he had him, but he was in the first round. It was maybe, uh, he goes 23. 23 so, yeah, sure so probably he goes 31 spots earlier in our mock draft. Uh, meanwhile, he doesn't go until 54 of the Bills. So probably a nice pick up there for the Bills and another one. Christian Fulton, go all the way down to 61 mm-hmm. to the Titans, um, which I think we had him. Yeah. Didn't I pick him with the Chiefs, I think, at the end of the first round? So, yeah, uh, yeah mm-hmm. so there you go. So some of the ones uh, maybe to keep an eye on as uh, those sleeper picks. And how about Josh Jones? Didn't go until uh, round three, number yep. 72 to the Cardinals. Which Rams means, could have had yeah, him. Yeah, and uh, had uh, had another, him. <laughs> another swing and a miss uh, for the Rams there. Uh, but instead, <laughs> uh, he'll go protect uh, Kyler Murray. Uh, with the Cardinals, and that's another Keshaw Vaughn. there's another one. I could probably go all day on some of these s e c yeah guys. there's a lot of um, a lot of guys that felt yeah, they should Ke Vaughn to the bucks uh, so gives Tom Brady another uh, weapon to work with. There in the backfield. But, uh, yeah, lots of picks, and uh, we will go over more of them and how they impact some of these teams uh, here moving forward in the NFL offseason uh, since we don't really know when the NFL season is going to start at this point. Um, so we'll have a lot more time to discuss that. But, Dylan, uh, we have got a lot of stuff going up over at Clutch Points, uh, reacting to the draft, uh, what the landscape looks like in the NFL, I'll let everybody know where they can find all of that.
1: Yeah, you can find all of our NFL content at ClutchPoints.com in the NFL section there on the homepage. Uh, you can still search NFL Draft to see all of our all the fallout from the draft. We're probably going to get out a, a mock draft for next year, uh, way too early. When obviously we probably look more at the top 10, 15 guys, and then some other potential first-round picks. But yeah, you can find all that. We'll look into the you know now further projecting the off seasons for these teams. It's going to be quite a bit. Of time obviously before there's now without the, the the usual stuff in may and all the mini camps and all that without all of those things happening it's going to be a little more uncertain but yeah we'll we'll definitely keep up with all the news and then also just projecting when the season does come back we'll have plenty more content there as well as in the clutch points app in the NFL section there yep
0: lots of great stuff over there be sure to check it out and uh, lots more great stuff on the way here on the podcast so be sure to subscribe on any podcast app you use. And thanks, as always, to the five folks at Blue and Bet Online for all that they do. And uh, thank you guys, as always, for listening. And we'll talk to you guys next time here on the Establish the Past Podcast.